Oh my gosh. It's the carrot up after school feeder camp power hour. That was so much fun. That was yeah. like Yeah, that was the most fun I've had talking about Shakespeare in a long time. Yeah, no, Michaela was good. good. Yeah, she had some really interesting questions that like about gender and stuff and I don't typically think of Shakespeare as being like forward thinking about things, mm -hmm. but it is interesting how in Shakespeare productions, you're more likely to see um, different ideas about casting, um, at least for gender. I would say not so much about other things. Yeah, no, I, I know that like in one of my classes I'm taking right now, we talk a lot about Shakespeare, like doing the best he can in the time he's in, in terms of things like gender hmm. and, and the questions that the women in his place pose about society. Not to say that they are then free of it and are not beholden to it, but it's still like, why is this? So it's, <laughs> a, set, it's a wink and the nod instead of the full on tear it down. Um, right, 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 right. That's interesting. It was, a, it was a fun conversation to listen to. Yay. I'm so glad it was, it was a fun conversation to have. And I, you know, it's bowls with the bard. We got extremely, extremely high before yeah. we had that conversation, <laughs> <laughs> um, which was very fun and funny. Um, great. Oh my God. Frankie and Doug are here again. It's just a couple quick months later. <laughs> um, it feels like a completely, in many ways, it feels like a completely new world. Yeah. Um, and that's mm -hmm. a little bit of what I want to talk about today. Um, I didn't do the theme song. Can we do the theme song in post? They can't hear the theme song. It, yeah. I feel weird really about cool. playing the theme song and then it being really quiet. And like from their perspective, I'm just like dancing around to nothing. It's really only for the people on Twitch. It's for the people on but Twitch. For them, it, it's like it starts off by like, yeah, yeah, children are applauding. Children are applauding. Like, it's the Caradub after school. Yeah. The camp. You, 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 you could play and it. And they're like, you can, like Yay! do the imagined circumstances or something like that. <laughs> Very. Just imagine the, the songs playing. And exactly. Dance along or something. It's yeah. It you're using your imagination full circle. It's very theatrical. Okay, so that happened, and now we're going to move on. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to start with a really broad question for both of you. Um, it's been several months. How are y'all doing? How's it going? How are you? Were we... Refresh my memory, because time has no meaning for me anymore. Was the last time we spoke before the election? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Right before yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was like, like yeah. October or something, right? Yeah, I think it was like a week or a week and a half, something. Okay. It was on the horizon. Sure. So yeah, yeah. like permeating every pore in my yeah. body, basically. Mm -hmm. And and I feel like maybe subconsciously more than anything, but I think it did permeate a lot of our conversation in a way. I just in in so far as the state of the world. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, I'm going to ask the same question that I always ask at the end 
about theater coming back and what do you want to have changed? So spoiler alert, that's coming down the pike. But even as I was thinking about this question, it feels like I'm asking a different, it's not a different question, but it, it feels different than asking it in October because theater kind of is coming back already a little bit, like very slowly. Thank God. I don't think we're there yet. Um, I personally am anxious about people like jumping the gun too much. I don't know how y'all feel about that, but, but I digress, but it does, it feels a little bit different. So how generally, how are you? And then I'll start asking more specific shenanigan questions. How are you? It's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting question to ask how, how one is, because for me throughout the entire pandemic, there was this sense of, um, for many people, a whole, I don't know what I'm going to do, what's going to happen, what, what, is, what's, what, what is the future going to look like? And now that there is light at the end of the tunnel, there's almost a sense of, um, now what do I do? Because now that things are starting to crystallize with things coming back, we don't know who's going to be back at the helm of things because there's so many furloughed and laid off staff. There's so many relationships um, that have uh, with specific theaters that might have shifted with this entire thing. So yeah, <laughs> that's my son. Uh, ask mom. Ask mom. <laughs> Asking to go to the bathroom, of course, you know, yes. candid moments. Yes. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, and it is becoming one of those things where, it's you're beginning. I, I'm at least beginning to wonder how is the realignment going to look, and in what way am I going to have to start over? What was the effort of over mm. a decade, and mm. in what way am I going to have to start building upon uh, what I have? And how strong is my foundation really as we're coming to the light of the end of this tunnel? I've gotten both my vaccines, uh, both both rounds of it, and now it's just a question of where's the career go now. Um, before it was speculative. Now it's something to actually consider. Um, the future is here. Um, and what, what does that look like? Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I'm at personally. It's just the questioning phase, not scared so much as, all right, what's the next step? What, 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 what is it here? Because it's still, there's light there, but it's still dark in this tunnel. Hmm. Um, and I don't know if there's a final trap waiting for me. I feel that. Absolutely. Doug, anything Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I'm in uh, a different position, right? Like I, I, the pandemic for me, literally, um, the day I found out I got into school was the day that everything shut down, the 13th of March, wow. 2020. Um, so whereas many of my friends and loved ones were like, I don't know what I'll be doing in three months. I knew, I didn't know what it was going to look like. But I knew that, oh, I had this thing that I'm going to do for three and now four years. Because originally the program was three, but now it's four to deal with what we couldn't do this year. Yeah. Um, but in that time, uh, watching institutions scramble to figure out what are we doing in the interim, right? Because very few people in institutions, whether it be school or theaters, said, hey, maybe we pause. Maybe we like look inward and see what we can do. A lot of them were scrambling to always do something, do something, be flashy, be this. Um, and, and my program was, it was similar. So in that first semester, it was that scramble. It was that unknown. No one 
was happy. We were all tired, but not doing anything to be tired. So it's like, why am I exhausted? And then this semester feels like a plan. It hmm. feels like there, like steps have been taken to ensure that the notes we've been given were heard and are now being acted upon. Not perfectly, of course. Nothing is ever perfect. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm like what Frankie is talking about, which I think is very apt for a majority of people, which is the unknown is now here. I am still in this, this almost bubble in which my unknown is such a, like, I don't know if I'm going to do production, but like, I know where I'm going to be. Right. So like, I'm not individually as worried about my own self, but for the ones that I love who do not have that, that firm ground to stand on, those are the ones I'm constantly on the lookout for. Like, oh, I saw this gig. I saw this place is hiring. How can I get this to you or you mm -hmm. or you? Because this whole year has been just a storm of anxiety for anyone I care about. And it's been weird sitting here in this place of security uh, while this is happening. I know many people have decided to go back to school during this time mm -hmm. because it's the security. It's a, it's a safer choice, maybe. Um, but that's how I'm feeling about the grand, uh, that's how I'm feeling about my place in theater right now. That's not about politics or other things, but like. Yeah. 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 Um, something you said a, a moment ago about how many institutions and theaters opted to constantly be doing things rather than pause and look inward. Yeah. What would that look like to you? In, what would in a pause? Look yeah. For an institution yeah. and for a theater. Yeah. So I guess uh, it goes back to like, how, how, how had the money been spent already? Right. Like if you've already paid for your entire season, you got to recoup those costs. You got to refund those tickets. X, Y, Z. Are you going to Are those artists being paid? Are they not? But if your season hadn't, if you hadn't, if you hadn't signed the checks yet and you still had that money in the bank, it would have been, what are you doing to build community in your organization? Hmm. Right. What are you doing to do outreach to the community? Oh, I have this $80,000 budget and we're not using it because we're not doing shows. What can I support that's near me? Who is struggling that I can help with? Of course, what theater has a lot of money to give away? Very few, if any. But how are you using this time to reinvest, whether it is dollars or energy or space? thinking about all the, the number of theaters that open up their lobbies when protests were high in the summer, right? Yeah. Like those theaters chose to open up space. You could have done more, you could have done less, but that is a choice. So when I think about what you could have done instead of trying to say, well, now we can put the Zoom play online or we can do this or that or this or that. I'm like, y'all, if all you can do is theater, you're really, you're really kind of lame at the end of the day. I shouldn't use the word lame. I apologize. Um, trying that's to okay. take that word out of my vocabulary, I understand that that's an ableist bit of language. Uh, you are, you're selling yourself short if all you have bring to the table is theater and a time when we can't do theater. Hmm. Um, so, I'm not sure that answers your question, but that's just what I've noticed. And there were some theaters that I thought did a decent job of like 
looking inward, taking that time to ask the hard questions. Um, but I think many, because of the nature of capitalism and the nature of this industry of go, 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 people were afraid to take that pause and look inward. Um, and we will see, at least I hope, that the theaters that did look inward, as Frankie says, we're coming to the light at the end of the tunnel, I'm hoping that I will see those theaters rise as I hope they will, because they've done the work or they're doing the work instead of just pretending there's no work to be done. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's spot on, both of you. And I, I think this idea of pausing and looking inward and just taking a moment of, of not rest, because it's a moment of, uh, hopefully a moment of work, um, but of almost it is a moment of rest in a way as well. I, th I think both at an institutional level and at a personal level, that's been a struggle for a lot of people. And I think they're both like intrinsically tied into capitalism and capitalism affects institutions a little bit differently than it affects individuals, especially individuals who um, freelance for a living. Um, so, but I, I've, I've noticed in addition to everything that both of you have already said, that there are a lot of artists I know who are either saying, I wish I had told myself at the beginning of this that it is okay to not create, or I wish that I told myself that it's okay if I spend a day not doing anything because there's literally nothing else that I can do. And so it doesn't make me a bad person to sit and watch Netflix all day. Um, cause I think, cause like capitalism tells us that we have to do things in order to have worth. Um, and also there's a vacuum of space. Are you going to be using it just to be on Netflix all the time? Or are you going to be able to have the mindfulness and have the awareness to know that even though this has been a really horrific time and is still a horrific time for a lot of people, um, being forced to pause can be a gift as well. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's yeah. that. Absolutely. I think for me that, that that's actually one of the fringe benefits of having a child is that when it's time to go outside, dad, we're going outside. Um, and it's, it's just when, when he wants to go, there's nothing that you can do to dissuade a child from saying, you know, we, we, fun time is not now, dad needs to, no, no, that doesn't exist. Um, it's, we go now. Um, so being uh, not forced so much as reminded that, oh no. Ladies and gentlemen, to go outside, uh, we got him. some fresh air. We do have to take a walk or we do need to just sit down and veg out well um, whatever mouse program from the <laughs> glorious company is playing uh, in front of me just just to zone out that sometimes is is necessary and there's it, it, there's a there's a weird benefit to that to having someone that makes you run on their schedule rather than the other way around where they run on yours um, it's it it is it's it's been great in that sense. That's been the the one kind of blessing um, in this entire thing that I'm I'm forced to take breaks, uh, whether I like it or not. I'm taking this break because ice cream, <laughs> you know, that's it. Ice cream, um, and th that is the quest uh, from here on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the quest. Oh my gosh, I love it. Yeah, 
I too have been around children this quarantine. Um, it's, it's not, <laughs> it hasn't been as adorable as that. <laughs> Just there's there have been no quests for ice cream. There have been Miss Caroline suggesting that maybe they don't have barbecue chips at nine thirty in the morning, and then getting screamed at. Um, yeah, that, that's that's there too. That's, that's there, there too. too. <laughs> Caroline, you you gotta you gotta stop working with these white children. Like that's that's, that's what that is right there. Okay, listen. I'm just saying. You brought it up. They're not white. Son of a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow, this is okay. I'm, but you know, listen. The mother Damn. is so it's okay. There's there's okay. Oh, there it is. It's raising. proximity. <laughs> Yes. You know what? Yes. It is honestly though, I think so. It's just oh, I I don't know. I I have told these children to their faces. I'm like, "You are the most spoiled children I have ever met in my life." Yeah. And I don't work with them anymore as of today because because oh. in-person school, it was a day to celebrate. I I got so much done. <laughs> it was amazing. Um anyway, I digress. That, jeez, jeez. Anyway, um, no, I would much rather have nannied Frankie's kid than these children. But you, you don't know what you're saying when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> mostly, <basically> mostly <laughs> because I, I, um, you, <laughs> I like you as a parent better than than those parents too. <laughs> oh, thank you. And that's all I'll say about that. Next question, mm-hmm. um. Oh my gosh, I keep going to the wrong screen. Anyway, um, Doug, tell me about Spy Academy. Oh, yeah. Woo! Spy <laughs> Academy, yeah. Um, it is a play, well, film, Zoom, interactive theater experience. It's a menagerie of different things. Menagerie? I don't know. Uh, being done at Imagination yeah. Stage. Uh, it is a about 35, 40 minute long performance in which uh, the viewers are cadets and there's a live facilitator who then brings up a film play or film film and the cadets then choose what happens to the spies in the film, thereby making it a choose your own adventure. So the spies will be given a choice left or right. The cadets, the facilitator will ask. You go right or left, they choose right, and then different options unfold there. Um, yeah, it, it, that, is, that is a gift in this time. Honestly, this, this project, it kind of, it, it came together very, very fast. It was like, we, going back to this idea that theaters need to do something, do something, do something. Mm. Um, I think the project turned out really, really well. I'm very grateful to everyone involved. Uh, with, with Strava, the creative, the creative head, me, the writer. And then we have this guy, Jeffrey, who is a film person. It was really beautiful stuff. But it just makes me think again, right? Um, how much more could that be if we had given it the time, hmm. right? Like, I think, once again, I truly believe it turned out very well. Like, no complaints. I think, it, I think it's a really great time. I'm hoping we'll do another one. Keep fingers crossed. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, but just the amount of time we play catch up, understanding what it means to like 
do something on Zoom. Also, this is a theater company. Now I'm hiring a film company. And just understanding like, how to format that script, because I've never written uh, a film or, or a teleplay or whatever. So me having conversations with the filmmaker, and he's like, Doug, I love your script. I just don't know what to shoot. And I was like, what do you mean? It's, it's theater. You just get in the room and you try you things. It. He's like, no, what's the shot? I'm like, I don't, like, if I don't know, bro. But luckily, this team was brilliant. Jeffrey's worked for, like, Discovery and lots of things. Um, and it's just a really fun thing. I haven't, I haven't made something that was purely fun in a long time. And I've always loved TYA ever since I started working with kids. Um, and, I, and I'm writing, writing another TYA play now that's not for anything, but that's just been, like, a joy to do. Um, and it's reminding me that... That joy is joy is the gem that I want to keep cultivating, right? Like I, I'm all for like my heavy drama. I'm here for it. It's a good time. I can write that. But there's something about a kid picking their code name in Spy Academy and then solving the puzzle and then the light in their eyes and they're like, "Mom, I did it!" and just like <laughs> seeing that. It, it's it's so it's so much more fulfilling than any like. 56 year old white man applauding a plaque. Like, it's like, I don't know. I'm glad you liked it. That's dope. But, like, that kid's joy, that kid's joy is what's going to sustain, sustain not only like this moment, but a whole art form. It's inspiring that kid to then think maybe I can do. And then they mm. do. And then they become this. They could be the next Frankie, Doug, Caroline, who knows? They could be the next Cricket. Hi, Cricket. I'm sorry. Your cat is so cute. She's and so I get cute. Distracted. I'm really distracted by her. She's a little cinnamon roll right now. Uh, Sweet yeah, angel. I, don't think I, I hope they, I know I always caveat everything, but I hope I answered your question. Yeah. But that's... No, I, and, and I love a caveat because I think things are just not either or, you know? Yeah. They're, everything is, is way more nuanced and complex than we sometimes um, allow things to be. And I, yeah. yeah, as you kept speaking, because the first part of your thing was how could this have been, how much more could this have been if we had, you know, taken more time? And, and the immediate thing that came into my mind was um, when I got my most recent, like, okay, these are the things for summer camps at iStage. The name of the game is any theater that we produce this year is going to, we're going to define as good theater because at least theater is being done. So yeah. like on, on like one level, it's a little, at least it, speaking of in terms of as far as children are concerned, because I think I, I agree with you. I, I just think there's so much impact in in um, exposing a child to theater at any point, but especially during a time when they're dealing with so much isolation and anxiety and and just not knowing what's going on, confusion. And so a part of me is like, doesn't matter what it looks like, get it out there so they have it. Mm. And then you went on to say like basically that. So I, I, I like the caveat there. I think they're both equally true. Um, and I wonder how, how we can make space for taking the time to make something really good and solid and long lasting and making sure that the art is there for the people who need it when they need it. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, I I think, I think those, those are 
was almost the same question to me, hmm. right? Something I'm very interested in is how do we bring the audience along for the process of Ooh. the play, not just the play, right? Like, I know that sometimes like donors get invited to the first read yes. of a group of actors <laughs> in the room and it's so formal and gross and I hate those spaces very much. But what happens if you have a group of young and middle school or elementary high school kids and you invite them to the rehearsal? What, what happens if you go out to the community and say, oh, hey, this play uh, deals with abuse in the home. And what you do is you go to a shelter or X, Y, Z. Like, how do you create, the, create space for input from the community hmm. so they're enjoying and engaging with the work before the work is polished and then presented to them so they have a stake in that polished product, right? We always talk about how do we get new people to come to the theater? Well, you go to where the people are and you get them excited. And nothing makes people more excited than the chance to talk about their thinks, their feelings, and thoughts on something. So if I write a play and I want Joe down the street to come, I need to ask, hey, Joe, what do you think? Before Joe will actually take the time to come see the play. Yeah. So I think about that and, and how if we give it the time, if we give production or or workshop or whatever word we want to use we give it the time to really spread think of all of the opportunities we have to then share hmm. but we don't because everything going back to money is all right we have the space we have the rehearsal space for four weeks we have the performance space for like a month and a half yeah. get in get out get in get out so if we're always getting in get out whenever inviting because you can't invite someone to sit for two hours and they feel at home Right. Like they need to like come in, take their shoes off, lean back, recognize someone, tip a drink like that. So I, I, I think you can do both if we just give time. Yeah, that's um, awesome. I, I really I just love all of that very much. I that that excites me. And like when thinking about the future and like possibilities of our art form. Um, I think that is very, very exciting, and I want to see a lot of that happening for sure. Keep fingers crossed. Hell yeah. Frankie, talk to me about Imprint. Uh, Imprint, yeah. Actually, I just left a rehearsal with them right before this. Yay. So, um, yeah, they're, they're doing a, a play that uh, digitally, they're, they're doing like a, a kind of digital um, reading of a play for their first impressions festival for local playwrights. And um, it's interesting, it's, it's been in the pandemic times that Dallas theaters have really kind of um, started asking, hey, you wanna work with us? So uh, it's, it's, it's been very fun. Um, I wanna say the word interesting, but I know that has some connotations. Sure. But, uh, oh, did I say it? Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, um, no, it, it, it has been one of those, uh, we're working, they specifically asked for something that's under an hour and the only play I had from under an hour was from a, over a decade ago. Wow. Um, and so it's almost as though I'm beginning to have this conversation with 21, uh, no, 19 year old Frankie mm. and looking at him and being like, my God, you problematic shit. Look at you, um, look at you go. Same. Um, and so it's, it's, it is one of those things where it's, it's a kind of reevaluation and a looking back and it's making me wonder about the writer that I was, um, the writer that I'm that I'm becoming, and certainly the writer that um, what what was fueling me at the time. 
and, and thinking about those things and, and, and really seeing that um, I had different concerns at the time as a, as a writer, as a theater artist, because almost the same time as Imprint, another play from about a decade ago got produced with Bishop Arts Theater uh, in here, here in Dallas uh, for audio. Um, and that was also about some dark, twisted love story that um, made me really start thinking about what was I writing at this time? Because this all came mm. out around the same period mm -hmm. of like same two, three years. These plays that are now getting picked up from like my back, back catalog because my, my agent will not let me um, <laughs> do some of the other things that are more recent. But um, so, yeah, it, it, it has been an interesting, humbling process. And it's been one of those... Um, it's almost like crap's last tape where, where crap would listen to himself from decades earlier. And, you know, later on he would say, just got finished listening to that bastard that I was 30 years ago. Hard to believe I was bad as that kind of that. It's kind of that it's like, my God, dude, you really thought you were going to be Sam Shepard. Didn't you? You really thought that you were that dude, huh? Man, you are such a pretentious dork. Look at you. Um, and so it, it, it has been, Interesting, yet at the same time, it has been one of those times where I can look at the work, revise it, not change it. I don't think, I don't think that it's necessarily something that I want to change. I don't want to go full Edward Albee and add an entirely new act to the zoo story at the end of my life. Nothing to that nature, but really to look at the, the language and see, oh, this, this is rather insensitive. Or, mm. oh, wow, this, this doesn't really work now. This doesn't really um, fit today and this is a chance for me to be able to um, start critically evaluating my work so it's been a, a deep time of reflection these last few months um, looking at these plays looking at the Bishop Arts production um, looking at this thing that I'm doing with imprint right now that's going to be coming sometime at the end of this month I, I can't I'm blanking on the dates um, and really just looking at myself and saying thank God I don't write like this no more. Hmm. Um, or thank God I don't, I don't think about this stuff anymore. And thank God I'm less selfish. And thank God that I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not as concerned with personal matters or personal uh, gripes or anger towards the world. And that I, I'm more focused on trying to enact some form of positive change or at least bear some optimism in, in myself and in the work that I create. Um, even though it's melancholic optimism, that there is still some optimism that I'm going to be pursuing hope. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been talking with 19 year old me and being like, bro, if only you knew, man, if only you knew what's coming, if only you knew what, 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 uh, it, it, <laughs> in so many ways it gets worse and in other ways it gets so much better. Yeah. And the world is not the nihilistic piece of crap that you think it is. Um, and in some ways you don't realize how crappy the world is. Um, just mm. give it some time, mm. you know? Um, so there, there's this kind of laughing at my own naivete and I'm just now imagining how am I going to laugh at myself at 39, uh, versus 29 or how will I laugh at myself at the very end of it all and be like, my God, I never, I, the answer was in front of me all along and I never decided to look until the very end. I hope that's not my, my final like conclusion, but I, as I'm looking at myself, I, I see what I was and I'm, I, I see the mistakes that I made. And I see the, the positive steps that I made. And it just makes me very, very excited for the journey ahead to be able to have this opportunity in the last few months to look back at my back catalog, at the things that I'd written before and say, wow, here's who I was. And um, the other kind of 
humbling and exciting thing about looking back at that and seeing theater companies actually wanting to do these works from when I was 19, from when I was 20, is that entire idea of, y'all, if you like that, <laughs> if you like that, there's some stuff here. Um, let me, let me, let me, let me show y'all. So it, it, it's that there's, um, it's, it's been a, a very affirmative time. And if there's one comforting thing that I could say to my 19 year old self, um, who wrote these plays, it's, it's, it's good. The writing's good. It's, you know, the worldview is shit. Um, the individual who may have written it was a little, you know, jerk, but you're, you're on the right direction and I'm proud of you. Um, just grow up a little, hmm. you know? So it's, it's, it's that it's, it's really been that, but it's, it's been wonderful. Uh, I love working with local actors. I love working with, with local directors. I love working with local theater companies. Um, because to me, there is a sense of freedom and there's a sense of wonderment, especially with local, uh, local everything, instead of having to deal with some of the bigger organizations, um, there's a sense of possibility. There's a sense of what can we do? How can we make this different? Because one, the budget doesn't exist to do the big thing. So you must be inventive. You must come up with ways to make it interesting. You must come up with ways to be able to get people to say, "Ah, right, yeah, I'll do a $10 ticket. Um, you know, and, and then the other thing is, is that you are forging relationships with people that you don't know, um, especially when it comes to um, local companies, local actors that are just coming out of college, local directors that are just, you know, that are getting ready with their careers. You just don't know what kind of stuff you're cultivating. And it does not feel as transactional as it does at the bigger levels, at the bigger houses, where it's just more on the lines of, please, please produce my work. Please, please, please look at my script. Please, lit manager. Please, artistic director. No, it's more of like a, yo, well, we got to figure this out. You like the script, so how are we doing this? <laughs> um, and, and we're able to speak a little bit more on the level with each other. Um, and there's a much more equal playing field and the dynamics are close, more akin to we're rising together and we're, we have each other's backs because our success, one person's success in this venture is everyone's success in this venture and not the other way around with something that is very established in which my failure is not the failure of the organization. It's my failure, my failure alone, and I won't get that second production um, off-Broadway or regionally. So that, that to me is like local theater is the best playground. It's the best laboratory for a playwright. And it is the greatest investment I think that you can make for your own career because you just don't know who, and you just don't know what is going to happen in the future. And because I've, I've already seen it for how short my career has been. I've already seen people that I knew that were not quite at that level that are now at that level um, whom I can go to and say, hey, would you be willing to look at my script and maybe do a Zoom reading of it? And they're like, yeah, for sure. Um, because we were growing together in those, in those times when it was local or when it was just me going up to New York and talking to some local actors at the bar at, at Smith's or something like that, you know, um, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been really great to just get back into that and not feel like every step that I make is being scrutinized as to whether or not I'm a worthy investment Mm. Uh, for this company or if my plays are worthy enough. Um, it just feels like I'm talking with friends and I'm doing it for the love of the craft and not just because of there's a financial bottom line to consider, not just because there's certain things that I need to do in order to get a producer uh, to say, yes, they'll invest or an actor to say, yes, they'll sign on. It's just, we're doing this and it's fun. 
and it's enjoyable and there's liberty in that. There's liberty in returning, you know, like, like, like a rapper that goes back to the underground after trying the mainstream route, you know, there's liberty in it. There is the money might not be as good if existent at all, but, but I get to be a kid and a kid that gets to live in imagination. Give me that over an adult that's worrying about finances any day, any day of the week, always. Yeah. Yeah. I, your use of the word investment and like transaction, it's in a very like money centered transactional way. And when you were talking about, you know, taking the time to build these seeds in local communities with local mm-hmm. artists, I was thinking of the word investment, but in, mm-hmm. in the sense of it's like you're, you're investing in relationship and you're investing in people mm-hmm. and in, um, in all of their, um, oh fuck, what's the word? uh, potential. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, 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 I think that way about you and I, Frankie, like we Mm -hmm. worked together in like someone's house and in a closet on campus and like Mm -hmm. all of this, Mm -hmm. like different, like really scrappy stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, this kind of, what you were saying at the beginning where you're, where you're looking back at um, who you were at 19 and the kind of things that you were writing. I actually had a question about this mm-hmm. um, because last time we talked a little bit about um, the piece that you did where you, uh, I was brought in to the black box and then everything was recorded and yeah. then you, you told me that you wanted to end your life. And we talked about um, just all the different implications of that and how like it was a really like it was a vulnerable moment that I'll never forget. And I feel like in in, in a way it like tied us together it, it, spiritually in, an, in a very eternal sense. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's how it felt for me. Um, oh, for sure. And thinking nowadays, like now that we're a decade older and thinking about like, you know, what what does that look like in, in, in the context of life itself? And then like, I, I knew you back then when you were writing these plays. Um, and I, I wonder what's the, that impact, the impact of the young you of the struggles that you went through of the way you were dealing with, um, mental health issues and other things. Mm -hmm. How did that specifically much older, not much older, um, come on, we're not 30 yet. Um, and we won't be old when we're 30. God damn it. Um, it's a few but- <laughs> weeks away. Um, happy early birthday. Oh my gosh. Um, uh-huh. but you, you fairly recently, um, mm-hmm. did work on 13 reasons why, which is a show that has its own sort of like, um, there's a lot of commentary on the way it handles that topic, uh, the topic of, of, of suicide. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so it's got its own issues. Sure. Right. But on a more personal level, what was, what was it like for you? Did it feel like a sort of, I don't know, to be honest, I haven't seen 13 reasons why past the first season. Cause okay. I did not think I could handle it anymore. Right. Um, right. so, right. but, but what was it like for you being like, Oh my God, seven, eight years ago, I was, writing these deeply personal, deeply vulnerable, deeply visceral, violent, in some cases, pieces Mm -hmm. about death um, Mm -hmm. and romance and very interesting works. And so, uh, fuck, 
<laughs> Do you know the question I'm trying to yeah, ask? Yeah, I, words I, I are think hard. so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, it is, it is one of those things where you begin to, I mean, the the the, the process of self evaluation and reevaluation and looking back at at who you were and who you're becoming, I think, is one of the joys of life. I think that a person that stops really thinking about themselves and how they're constantly evolving is a person that's stagnated um, and is is not going to be very happy ultimately. Um, the ideas, the obsessions, the subjects even that I write about have not changed much from when I was 19. But the perspective with which I view it has changed in that anger has become, okay, well, yes, this might be the case, but there's always that but. Um, and I think that's, that's the really big difference between a realist and a nihilist. A realist will be like, yes, but... And I also be like, it just sucks. It just sucks. Um, so for me, um, going into something like 13 Reasons Why, there's a whole bunch of dynamics with television that that's its own. Like you could talk a whole bunch about, about what point of view means to a TV writer that is not specifically the showrunner. Um, and what, what that is because you are in many ways trying to respect the vision and trying to red, write out the vision. Blue. Yeah, that's right, red and blue. Correct, go ask mommy. Blue. That's right, go ask mommy. <laughs> um, but you, you are trying to fulfill and satisfy what the showrunner envisions for the show mm -hmm. um, and be of use with your talents to the showrunner's vision of the show. Um, and there yeah. is, it's almost, it's almost an, akin to red. like say a, uh, a, give me just one moment here. Let me, let me call my wife over. No to, to take this little oh one because he talks uh, yeah come he, here uh, he projects like a good actor should he really does he uses his diaphragm wow he is so good at that something to celebrate yeah something i mean i don't know if i if i found out he was an actor i think the panic would set in i'd be like <laughs> oh my god no <laughs> And I think I would have to be that dad to be like, no, I will not write a script for you. Get away. <laughs> um, you be, better write be scripts dad. for him. Yeah, yeah. I, um, let's be real. All of your scripts are for him. Oh, yeah. No, everything since he was born, everything that I've written has been for him. And that has been the other thing is that everything that I do is uh, that was my wife. Uh, <laughs> um, but everything that I do has become now for him. But with going back to 13 Reasons Why. Um, I was able to explore things about my views and go back to those kids um, mm. and think, gosh, Don, it, it, is, it is difficult in this world where social media has dominated everything, where a single picture that might be taken out of context can become something completely changed like it was in season one of 13 Reasons Why that set off everything when Justin took that picture. Mm -hmm. um, it, 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 could, it, it can damage people in ways that are um, deeply, deeply affecting many, 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 many decades on um, forever. Um, and tragically, it can also lead to the loss of life. So for me, being able to work on 13 Reasons Why as a 28, turning 29-year-old, one of the things that I found to be a privilege in working on the show was that I was able to also do that self-reflection and really cut myself some slack, cut myself some forgiveness and really start thinking about you know, what are these, what are these Gen Z kids going through? Mm -hmm. What are these, you know, what are, what, are, what, are, what, what, what struggles, what, what trials, what, uh, um, and 
it's it's easy to forget how desperate you are to be accepted somewhere. It's easy to forget how desperate you are to have some control over a life that you feel you have no control over anymore. It's it's easy to forget all of those things with age because memories become faded. Um, but this helped me reclaim those memories and gain a bit of an empathy for myself, for who I was, and um, and say, um, gosh, man, you you didn't attempt suicide. You were murdered, dude. It was an attempted murder. And that's that's what it is. They, the things that were haunting you um, didn't cause you a moment of weakness. It was just you were in a burning building mentally. And what are you going to do, burn to death? Give me the jump. Um, and that's what 13 Reasons Why I, you know, have a lot of gratitude to them for that, for giving me the opportunity to go back and reevaluate myself because there is a shame. There's a deep shame whenever you talk about subjects like suicide, suicidal ideation, depression, mm -hmm. that we have imprinted on people in the society where you're not supposed to talk about it. Or if you've done it, you're some form of weakness. But then when you start taking in the entire context and you take in the story of like a Hannah Baker and 13 Reasons Why, um, or you even take in in later seasons like the story of Bryce, you take in the story of Clay, you take in all of these different people who play different roles in this eventual death, and you realize, my God, what pressures are placed on people and what context we need um, to really understand things and to evaluate what we consider to be a moment of weakness as perhaps not a moment of weakness, but it was a person being attacked and they decided, this is sparing me pain. This is me going out with dignity instead of suffering the indignity of a, of a, of, of a horrible, humiliating death that you would prefer me to go through. Mm. And in that sense, I was able to give... 18-year-old Frankie, 19-year-old Frankie, 20-year-old Frankie, um, a pass and say, um, they tried killing you, man. And I'm sorry that that happened. But the one thing you need to let go of is that anger. You're going to be dealing with them scars for the rest of your life. You're going to be dealing with the, with the issues that have come with this for the rest of your life. But that does not mean that you should rob that from other people. That does not mean that your work should be a outlet to continue the negativity that has been inflicted on you. And you have a chance with what you've been given, with what has been done to you, to try to at least not change the world. I think it's very difficult for one person to do it by themselves, but to at least affect the conversation enough that if one person goes and they start making a conversation with someone else, it could lead to something greater. So that, that, that to me is, is, has been what my, what my career, I, I would say, is culminating toward, is that just being able to say, it's okay, offer grace to myself, and then even offer grace to other people, um, grace to the people that weren't good to me. Um, and to be able to say, you've been affected deeply, but I don't need you in my life. Um, you have your own things that you're dealing with and sympathies, empathy, everything to you, love to you even, but you can't be here anymore. And there are many people that from that age that we both went to school with, 19, 20, they ain't in my life anymore. And honestly, I'm all the better for it. Yeah. I feel for them. And I know that a lot of the toxicity and the pain that they cause me comes from horrible things that happen to them. Yep. But that does not mean that I'm obligated to remain in that toxicity. Um, I have to protect myself and I have to protect those who are not causing that to me. Mm. Um, you know, it's what is it that Bob Marley said? I think it's attributed to Bob Marley. Everyone you love will hurt you. The ones who are worth staying for are the ones who are going to be worth hurting for. 
Um, it's something to that effect. And that's, mm. that's what I've learned since then. But I'm babbling. <laughs> that's so beautiful babbling. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. Empathy, sympathy, compassion, being able, like, I, I just finished wa- watching WandaVision. And to mm. me, that's a big theme of that is being able to see her and sit with often uncomfortably the many different facets and um, of her life and her decisions. Um, and yeah, so I, I think for me that that it reminds me very much of that show um, and of well, I'll get to that in a second. Um, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me move on. Let me just go in order. How about that? <laughs> um, Doug. You talked a little bit last time and, and earlier tonight about going to school during COVID. Um, and you mentioned that this semester feels more like there is a plan in place. Um, one of the things you mentioned, and I, um, last time, I'm sorry if I misquote you or anything, let me know if I get it wrong, um, was how you felt like, okay, I'm going to fuck this up, but I, I yeah, remember you, you saying you something about how it felt like your teachers, and maybe this wasn't even on the pod. It might've been on that really long phone conversation that we had before you came on the pod <laughs> yeah. about how some of your professors you felt were, while they're trying to navigate their own privilege and in many cases, their own pr- privilege because of their whiteness and how they were treating students because of that felt a little like, don't want to put words in your mouth, but I interpreted it as like a feeling of almost being coddled a little bit. Does that ring yeah, a bell well, at well, all? That rings a bell. That rings a bell. Um, some of the, uh, I'm noticing, not just in school, uh, but just in, in general with uh, white people in power, they are so afraid of making a mistake that everything has kid gloves. And I find that to be, A, avoiding the greater issue, right? If you, if you don't think you can have a conversation with me, like a straight-faced conversation with me, what does that say about how you view me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, if, you're, if you feel like I have to tiptoe around you, then like, what is it either you're not saying, what is it that you want to say, what is it you're afraid you're gonna say? Cause this, this all goes back to you then. Hmm. Because anyone who knows me is like, I will, I will always tell you how I feel, always. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and nine times out of 10, there is no like judgment on you. I'm just like, oh, that was a fucked up thing. Wanna grab lunch? And like, what? Like, I, I, like, like, I'll, I'll no problem like calling you out. Yeah. But I also want to call you in. So when I see people who talk and, and navigate for fear of stepping on a landmine, I'm like, there is no landmine. I'm just a person, you're just a person. And when you treat me like this, it makes me feel like there's something going on. Hmm. And that feeling that makes me question your intention. And you don't want me to question your intention because I believe that since you're here, you only have good intentions. Hmm. But now that feeling is going away. And once that feeling is, goes away, once that feeling is gone, it's really hard to get me to believe that you have good intentions again. Um, this is not the school. That's just in, general. In, in, in this 
state that we are in uh, when theaters are attempting or pretending to listen to we see white American theater, mm-hmm. right? When mm-hmm. when they are when they're dancing around the subject instead of looking at it head on. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could talk. I talk a lot more about this, but I, I'm just. I just, I want people to remember that it's okay for them to be wrong if they're willing to then work on being right. And if you are constantly afraid of being wrong, you're never going to learn why it was wrong in the first place. Yeah. So it's, um, I'm sorry, it's going to be messy work and y'all just got to get over the fact that it's going to be messy and you're going to get called out and people don't want to get, people are more afraid of being called out than mm. actually anything else. I'm like, actually, maybe you should be afraid of not doing, but whatever. It's, yeah. Ah, words. Yeah. Words are yellow. <laughs> no, I, 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 I totally, I feel that deeply because it feels more like, oh, you're just avoiding not confronting the, yeah. the, 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 the root of this problem. And you would prefer to not be inconvenienced rather than actually do the work. So the entire thing becomes a whole, oh, are you just trying to hide something from me? And it's just like you said, it makes you very, very afraid for your own safety, whether that is, you mm-hmm. know, a safe space in the theater, safe space in an academic setting, or even in business, you know, look, I, I don't mean to bring it back to like that, that guttural, visceral level. But if, if, you, if you're talking yeah. about, you know, if some guy that you're trying to buy something off of don't feel right about it, something might come out and be like, get out of here or something's getting flashed right in front of you. Be like, yo, I don't trust you right now. Get the fuck back, get out. I don't got nothing for you. Um, it's just that. And I think especially um, when you come from those, those backgrounds, you're hyper aware of that. You're hyper aware when someone's being like, yo, uh, you got something to hide? And usually when you got something to hide, it's not good for me because back then it's like, are you trying to entrap me? Or are you trying to, you know, what, what trick are you trying to pull on me? It's always that thing. What, what are you trying to do? So I feel that, Doug. I, I really do. That's, yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I know I know that feeling. It's like, what the fuck's going on? What do you mean? What, what, what are you trying to say? What are you implying? What, what is the implication here? And then it becomes a weird mammoth play or something. And they're not saying <laughs> shit. They're just implying everything. What everything implying? is implied. Nothing yeah. is said. Yeah. It's like if Mammoth and Pinter had like a really gross love child. Exactly. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I. Okay, I have many thoughts. And I'm trying to collect them all and put them syntactically. That, is that a word? Fuck it. I don't even know. Into a sentence. It is now. Language is fluid. Who cares? <laughs> Fuck yeah. So, what you were both saying about how when like the wishy-washiness or in 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 whatever way that you are sensing that it's like someone has something to hide. Yes, in my experience and in my inference, sometimes it is like a a very conscious sort of thing where like people are hiding something. And then other times it's, I think that is definitely still there, but it's unconscious. And what's driving them is that fear. And like, 
uh, Doug, I think you were the one who said it, like they're, they're afraid of getting called out. And I think that is a very, like, I don't, I don't think many people would admit that maybe, but I think that's a very real fear. I had to get off Facebook in November because I'd been on it since high school. And I think it's just been causing me a lot of anxiety for, for no reason, because it takes away that space to be able to take a few deep breaths and think about what someone is saying to you and then respond. So I think in, in a place like Facebook and social media in general, but for me in my in personal experience, Facebook, especially is, is yeah, it, okay. There's a better way to say this. And it's the way Sonia Renee Taylor said it on Instagram a few days ago, where she talks about when you're in an activated place, it makes it difficult for you to hear what someone is saying and not internalize it and make it about you personally. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And yeah. so then what, and then Frankie, you said something about, okay. And I was, as y'all were speaking, I was like, yeah, it's, it's this fear that people have. And very often it is white people who have this fear because very often they're the ones who are afraid of being called out. And then Frankie, you said something where you were like, but it makes me feel, me as in Frankie, feel unsafe. Like, so it's these two different kinds of fear. One of them is afraid of being called out. The other one is afraid for safety. And like that just, I think it puts it in a perspective that I think is so hard to see when you are the person who is afraid of being called out because that may feel like this, but compared to someone else's feeling of personal safety, it goes down. And I think that's like, it, it, that's like a grounding realization in some ways. Um, and it's a sobering realization. It's a very, it, it, the, the sad fact is, is that theater spaces are unsafe for some people. Um, I, I, I think what, what, something that I, 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 I can speak as well. I, I've been thinking a lot about the word community recently because it gets tossed around all the goddamn time. I think I, I, I think I, I think I might actually hate the word at this point, and I know that's not true. I, I love the meaning, yeah. But the word itself like angers me because I hear it, hear it, community, community, community. Unless we're talking about seasons one through three of Community, I don't want to hear the word anymore. No, I notice I said seasons one through three. I don't want really to deal with post Donald Glover Community. No, it's fine, it's whatever. But no. but there is something about people who talk about community, but people who cannot get over themselves. And, and what you're talking about is just that, like you, you are in this activated state and you are, and you are in your own head and you cannot look beyond your own, mm. whatever. I'm not even, I got need, desire, whatever, whatever we want to call this thing, this fear. And you cannot build community because that means you are looking outward. Right. So these companies, these theaters that are talking about, we want to build community, yet we are afraid constantly for our own well-being and we're only focused inward you will never be able to go outward so it's 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 like everything you say is in conflict with with everything you're doing and now i'm just like what are we doing Mm -hmm. like 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 why yeah like i now, uh, this is going to get a little rambly, and I apologize. Please cut whatever you need to cut. No, we're good. Ram- <laughs> I, 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 
I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of everyone saying they want something and then doing nothing for the thing they want. Mm-hmm. If you tell me you want community, I want to see the action. If I don't see the action, don't say you want community. And a part of me wants it to be okay. A part of me wants it to be okay for some theater people to just admit that they're not in it for community, that they're just in it for the rehearsal, for the opening night, for the closing show. That should be fine. So I don't have to hear this person give lip service to an idea that I hold very sacred just so they can like fulfill a grant proposal or have a lovely speech or get the right people to look at them. Like, nigga, if you just want to fucking do theater and not build community, that's fine. If I want to build community, that is fine. They don't have to be in conflict. But the moment someone who doesn't want to build community talks about community, you're, you're making noise. You're making noise. And, and this is a delicate space we are in. Hmm. We're dealing with so many things. We're dealing with high turnover, lack of job security, our own fucking insecurity. That I don't need you pretending to be a part of the us. Mm-hmm. I don't need you to be <laughs> pretending to be ride or die for me if you're not. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was a ramble. I have to cough. I need some water. Get get I'm some sorry. water. I'm cough. Some water. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> not, not at all. That's no, been true. that's been very much my struggle for the last few months as well, Doug. I I feel that. Um, it's, it's it is it is interesting. I'm sorry. This is gonna be loud. I apologize. Do it. <laughs> But no, it, it, it's interesting because a lot of the language that I hear um, from certain companies that talk about wanting to build community, um, I almost feel like there's almost a kind of inurement to it for me because I came out of corporate America. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of, you know, corporate America, hey, we're a family here uh, until you can replace me uh, or until I don't hit my metrics or until I don't hit my numbers. And you're just doing this to try to get another tax incentive in the tax break. And I think Doug hit it on the hit the nail on the head when we're talking about grant proposals. Hmm. When we're talking about it feels like these words have to be thrown around in order to maximize on profit, in order to maximize on all of these things. You know, in that same way that you see these cynical commercials where it's just like you see a company co-op a movement. Yes. Uh, In these trying times, we really need you to buy a Lexus. Exactly. (laughs) And now we can deliver it to your home. Now more than ever. Now more than ever. Buy this beer. Um, Trust me, you need it. Um, You need that Heineken. Yes, exactly. And there is that that feeling. And what what I worry about is that we are going to start looking at places like theatrical companies like organizations that deal with things like entertainment and become cynical enough to them that we are going to treat them like we treat a day job Hmm. Um, in that we, we cannot believe a single word you say when you say we'll work with you or we offer great this, or we want to do this um, because those aspirational words are just in order to make me feel assuaged Um, or, you know, in that, in that same kind of like manner where people talk about, you don't need a union we're family here. Management's got your back. Come on. Um, don't, don't, don't do that. Uh, it's, and nobody actually believes any of those words. These are just, this is just lip service that is said in order to protect oneself legally, in order to protect one's quote unquote nonprofit status, in order to, you know, all of these things that are being bandied about that are really causing 
more cynicism and more distrust among people. And it goes right back to what Doug was saying. You start questioning the intention of what's happening when you're feeling like they're just tiptoeing around something or paying lip service. Um, and I think that it, it's isolating communities away from theaters. There are some theaters out there that they are edifices in a neighborhood and that is it. But nobody mm. from the neighborhood actually goes into the edifice itself. Nobody actually goes in and, and, and bothers uh, with with any anything to do with that because it's like, oh, no, that's just that one place. You know, um, yeah. I don't know what it does, but it's just that one place, you know. Um, I think it's a theater, but I don't, you know. Uh, so it's, it's, it's deeply disturbing. It is deeply disturbing how I've seen, how I'm beginning, how, not beginning, how I have been watching for a very long time corporate language start to be parroted by these um, – community building institutions if you were to believe what they say and i think I'm, I'm with doug when when he says i would respect you a whole lot more if you just said i just want to do plays that's all i'm just here to do plays let me do my let me do my pinter let me do my classics i'm good and and that's it okay fine at the very least i know where it is and this this goes back to the whole thing where i sometimes am more comfortable with a conservative than I am a liberal, particularly a white liberal, because I don't know what, what it is, what's going to activate it with the white liberal or is it the conservative. Yeah. I know where the line is. You yeah. stay on your side of town, son, and I stay on mine. It's like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm all right. Perfect. I know you. I know where it is now. Here, everything is demarcated clearly. Um, and that's, that, that, that to me is, is one of those things where it's like, I don't know what to believe. And when you're doing that, that's, that's the first step toward gaslighting. That's the first step. I was going to say gaslighting earlier. And I will say like, I, the cult that I was in in high school, the theater cult that I was in, Frankie, you know it from the periphery. They they are a cult. They they are a cult. They're a fucking cult. (laughs) We're a cult. Um, They, They were the first time that an arts institution or educational system has used family and they used it as a way to keep us under their thumb. There have been theaters in DC that I've worked with who have called me family. And then like, eventually you just like, yes, yes to all. Yeah. Well, I'm going to check that clapping in post. Cause I didn't want to like cover anything Frankie was saying, but I just had like, my body could not be still anymore. Cause everything you were saying was so fucking true. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit to This is a silly question and it's truly, it has not really anything to do with this, but I was thinking about the two of you and I want to know, and this is before I get into the last little section, what TV shows and movies have you watched lately? I really want to know. Mostly because I have been watching some great ones and I want to talk to y'all about them. (laughs) Uh, So like you, Caroline, I've been up on my WandaVision, been doing that. Living that, living that life, it's been a good time. I have some issues with the ending. Not, not like, not, cause some people are like, oh, we wanted a bigger bad. I don't care about that. I just, I didn't need the ending to feel like a superhero movie. And the ending when they're like in the air and they're blasting in the lights. I was like, no, I loved how personal. I loved how like character driven this whole thing is. And now I'm getting like magic blast. Mm. Which is fine. I, I loved it. it. I was like, I'm best like, of both worlds. We get I the just, intimate just, and we get Marvel. I don't know. I guess I was just really into the magic that was just being done by keeping the 
space in the world. Like I never forgot that there were powers, mm. right? But the moment Agatha, oh, sorry, I'm not going. The moment that people are doing their thing, they're doing the things. Pew 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 pew. I'm just like, well, Wanda is Wanda. So like any mystery is gone. Like I know Wanda's gonna come out on top. Maybe I don't know how, but like Wanda's gonna come out on top. So it's yeah. For um, me, the mystery was. Oh man, I don't know how to say this without spoiling I mean, things. Not gonna lie, I'm a big believer that like after two weeks has passed, you've missed your spoiler-free window. Yeah, but also, not everyone has Disney Plus. I'm thinking accessibility here. I mean, like, I t- okay. Let me see if I can do this. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. <laughs> For me, the bigger tension was and the bigger mystery was and what I couldn't wait to find out, and I, and I think I always knew what it was going to be and I wanted it so badly to not be, was if she would be reunited mm-hmm. with or not. Yeah, no. But yeah, for mean, me, the reason why it worked so perfectly, and then, you know, there's all the superhero stuff. And have you watched the behind the scenes of it yet? No. You should watch that. Because for me, it gave me an even more of an appreciation of how much thought went into it deliberately starting from a really like intimate, personal, character-driven space. And then it was a very deliberate evolution into the widescreen Marvel shot that we all know. Yeah. Um, so ju- just from like a, a, a directing standpoint, I was like, that is very, very cool how deliberate all of this was. Um, for me, the, the most amazing thing of the, of the whole show was the, the really human forgiving, but there was also like a, a sense of tough love in it of what PTSD does to someone. And for me, that, that's like really um, something that I've been exploring a lot lately because I've been, you know, just in therapy talking about like PTSD. I'm reading a book right now that John got me for Christmas called The Body Keeps the Score. And it's about the biological, yeah, 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 yeah diff- uh, things that happen to you uh, neurologically and biologically, chemically in your body and in your brain when you have PTSD. And just um, exploring what it is in my own body and um which also leads me to another show that I finished recently a couple months ago a couple weeks ago several weeks ago I don't know time is meaningless um was I May Destroy You Michaela Mm -hmm. Cole's show I May Destroy You on HBO have y'all seen that yet I I, I feel like the first I think I saw I saw like the first episode with with uh, my partner, hmm. and then mm-hmm. we went to bed, and then it just the life life happened. Yeah. Absolutely. Same with me. First episode, and I was just like, you know what? I got to be ready for this. Right? So, uh, yeah. It's it's going to be one of the. It, so I have not gotten yeah. to first episode. I was like, oh, this is one of oh, those. Oh, okay. this is one of the. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, that that's so. Yeah, that was that was for that was me. Well, all I can say is I am really looking forward to the time coming when you all have seen this so I can talk to you about it because I think you will just really appreciate it. Michaela Cole is a fucking genius, mm-hmm. um, as we know. <laughs> um, but it's, she's just, yeah, she's just great. All right. So we've got the two shows on PTSD. Great. What else have y'all watched? 
it's it's funny. My my wife has dominated most of anything that I do get to watch, um, and so it has been the absolute zany, surreal world that is 90 Day Fiance. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show. I oh love that show. Shows in, in the plural because <laughs> like it has been the one investment that I think has been the greatest thing has been getting that Discovery Plus app. Oh my because God. As soon as, I, as soon as I got that, that was it. It was 90 days every, like I'm watching the journeys of this man, Big Ed, and I'm thinking to myself, how? How do you do this? Why do you exist? Um, some of these people, it's like, this has to be scripted. This cannot possibly, no, no one can possibly be that. No, but they might actually be. Oh my God. And then you see the tell-alls and I'm just like, what is this world? Where am I? Um, and so the, the, the surrealist world of 90 Day Fiance has dominated. So it, 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 it's so, I, life is meaningless. I, I, I know like, it's one of those like, what did I just see? Did this happen? No, no way. An affair in the middle of this entire thing? What? what? Um, it, 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 uh, so it's like there's there's like a, a short circuiting that occurs when I'm watching um, 90 Day. And sometimes, again, I go back to this man, Big Ed. Like there was an episode where he was parading around in different costumes to put up on his like Tinder profile. And I'm like, what are you doing? You should not dress like a, first of all, a luchador is not what you should be dressing as, sir. Um, <laughs> Um, that does not, but, um, outside of that, it's been an interesting thing. Um, like Rami season two, I've seen like three times now, um, because I can, I can watch that and I deeply relate to a lot of it. There's especially that episode that involves his dad and I'm right there blubbering like a baby looking at my own, my own dadhoodness and realizing, oh my God, I'm becoming the dad. Um, but, uh, but I think the other big things that I've been looking at is actually old stuff. Um, and by old, I mean like, and it's, it's, it makes me shudder to think about um, thinking about stuff that came out in like the eighties and the nineties. Mm. And I'm just like, that's not old. That's not too long ago. And yet, yeah, it, it is. It um, is. Because, yeah. Cause one of the things that I've noticed about the industries that, that we are in the different facets of the entertainment industry is that they will constantly go back to the old stuff uh, remix it, repackage it as their own. I mean, how many Daft Punk samples are we seeing? Um, Every, everything we yeah. is a Daft Punk and it's sample. Just, exactly. And it's just like, what? how did this happen? Um, because that didn't come out that long ago. How do people not know? And then you look at it, it's like, wait a minute, that came out in 95? Oh my gosh, no. Um, and you. so what I'm kind of doing is I'm doing creative mining in obscure films from anywhere between the 50s and the 90s, trying to look for what is the next thing. And I think the thing that really moved me to do that was interestingly enough watching the dark knight films at the behest of my wife um and seeing that this the joker played by uh by, by heath ledger um almost word for word in some cases i mean the, translated from the german dr mabuse by fritz long oh, from the wow. 1930s and i'm just right there like wait a minute this is exactly wow. what dr mabuse says in like the interstyles in the silent film uh, Dr. Mabuza the Gambler um, by Fritz Long in the 1930s. And I'm just like, wait a sec. Wow. How much of this? And then like, I start watching the films of Wong Kar Wai. And I'm like, wait a minute. Jean-Luc Godard did that in the... Oh, I'm seeing what's happening now. Um, so it's now for me to start looking at things and start adaptation because that's really all we're doing. 
That's the, 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 the cycle of everything is, is constant adaptation of old stories. And if you go back far enough, you will see that the archetypes come back down to, you know, like the Captain Ahabs, the Romeo and Juliets. I mean, how many Romeo and Juliet-esque stories exist through so many cultures came, coming out at around the same hundred year period that it's, 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 it's like, oh, no, 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 no. This is, this is, this is too coincidental to be a coincidence. Yeah. It's too, it's too aligned. So it's been a lot of that. Um, looking at old stuff and trying to find what what is something that might be right for retelling now in a new kind of spin in a new kind of way. I mean, what is West Side Story? Honestly, uh, what is it's Romeo and, and Juliet? It, it, exactly. And what was Romeo and Juliet? An old Italian story. And what was mm-hmm. that? An old Italian story. The old Chikamatsu play from from Japan that may have actually traveled through the quote unquote Silk Road all the way to Italy wow. uh, among those Italian merchants. I mean, it's, yeah. is it possible? Sure, it, it is totally possible. Or these stories are just so compelling that they're retold from ancient times. So I'm like, well, if everyone else is doing it, and if Picasso says to steal well, then I must, I must be a thief. Um, and so well, I've been watching friend. old Russian films, old Italian films, um, and even some stuff from like North Africa. But um, in the more contemporaneous sense, I've been watching a lot of boxing. Um, and because I'm writing a boxing play, for one, and I, I'm commissioned to write a boxing play, but because I have come to understand boxing as a sport that is less about what happens in the ring and more about what happens in either the buildup or in those moments in the corner with the coach, I will never forget one moment that happened. It shook me to my core. Aging 38-year-old champion, middleweight champion of the world, Sergio uh, Maravilla Martinez fighting Miguel Cotto um, for the middleweight championship. This 38-year-old who has knee issues, and he's had knee issues plaguing his career. He goes to fight Miguel Cotto, and his knees give out. And this man is not being punched very hard, but he collapses because his knees cannot take any kind of strain. And he keeps getting back up despite everything, and he refuses to stay down. He goes into his corner. I think it's the ninth or the 10th round. And his coach says, champion, it's over. I'm so sorry. It's over. And he says, no, one more round. Please give me one more round. I can't. I can't. Not on the stool, coach. Don't let me go. And they're talking in rapid Spanish. And he's just like, your knees are gone, Sergio. You can't. You can't do this. And he's just like, I can't. And the guy forces himself up. Both knees gone. Like, he can't. He shouldn't be standing. He forces himself up. And he takes a step forward. And the coach, like, screams at the ref. He, it's over. No mas. No mas. And you see this champion lose his belt right there because his body has given up not for lack of will not for lack of strength not for lack of heart but because it's over he's 38 which in boxing is ancient that's 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 you're you're amazing if you're still boxing at 38 and it's just heartbreaking or like this other moment where this guy he wanted he dared to dream big and he went up two weight divisions to fight a ko machine and he gets his orbital bone broken and his coach says to him, I promised your dad I would not let you come to harm. And I'm not going to disrespect his memory. It's over. Cal, I'm sorry. It's over. And it's just like those moments are this high, this high drama, yeah. like stuff that you see that you don't associate with athletes that come from especially impoverished backgrounds for whom in order to get ahead in life in order to bring their family out of poverty, they are literally climbing a mountain of other bodies that have been knocked out 
and that they have to knock out as well in order to attain some money for their kids. And there was just a match that passed a few days ago that I still cannot get out of my head. The uh, Estrada versus Chocolatito number two match. They faced each other nine years early in 2012. Estrada lost that match. And he'd been chasing after this guy, Chocolatito, over like four weight divisions. Um, and finally, they had their rematch. And these guys for 12 rounds, this is their careers on the line. They all have massive losses. They're both champions. And they just go. And they don't stop for 12 rounds, just attacking, 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 going, 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 not stopping. But someone has to lose. And that's the end, that's the end point. Someone has, someone's career goes on and the others doesn't. And I think, particularly for me in looking at this and in writing my play, there's something that is deeply personal about that. Because for so many POC coming from impoverished backgrounds, those boxing matches are very much akin to getting that one diversity spot at the table Mm. where you know you're up against some of your best friends for that one slot and them not getting it me you getting it means them not getting it them deferring their dream for a little bit them not you know that 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 kind of gladiate gladiatorial thing that has now permeated over into the arts is now a part of the merit system of the american arts system you know it's 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 and you're literally your success is built upon other people getting a no other people getting a rejection um, other people getting quote unquote knocked out and your play did that your work of art did that your poem did that um, and to me there's a lot of parallels between the the boxing world the 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 any, anything sports combat and our own art world it's a different medium and it's a different way in which we we put ourselves to the test because we go through as artists extreme poverty sometimes we travel how many distances in order to go to the audition um, we spend money on gas that we don't have to spend. We do all these things only to be told no, only to be, only to see someone else get that thing that you've always dreamed of, mm-hmm. only to see someone else get that slot. So I've been watching a lot of that for the inspiration for the play. And, um, it's been very much one of those, um, deeply, deeply moving experiences for me to watch these guys decide, no, I, I have to keep going. I must keep going. Um, like there was another one that it still it haunts me, where he he refused to surrender because he he couldn't, or else he might not be able to extend his work visa to stay in this country, and apply for his wife and child to come from Russia to this country, and he died. He ended up dying, and his only dream his dream was wasn't even the championship, was to be able to take them to Hawaii or Miami one day, or a Cuban that gives up their family because they're pursuing something greater and they need the money to be able to send to their mother to get better care or something like that. That is just like, wow. And they can never go back to Cuba. They can't, they can't go back. Um, once they leave, those kinds of stories are, are, are fascinating to me because it's like, it, it, it's, it's, it's very much that Roman system, that gladiatorial mm-hmm. system that, um, it moves me and it shows me just exactly what people are trying to oppress. And, if you realize the, what you're trying to oppress, the system that exists right now, what, how, what it's trying to oppress, they should be very afraid. They should be terrified because these are people that do not have quit in them. 
they have the willpower to see things through to the end. And I promise you, some of these people, whether it's in sports, whether it's in art, whether it's in any kind of field, um, their excellence is being molded by your oppression and your oppressive system, and you can't stop them. And that's what I've what I've gotten from watching boxing matches. Interestingly enough, uh, yeah. I'm also rambling. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> that's it, great rambling. Both of you are rambling in the best way. Um, that's very exciting. I'm, I I can't wait to see what happens with that piece that you're working on. Yeah, I have. There's a black hole too. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, there's a black hole because obviously. Because when in doubt, <laughs> for your boxing play, add a black yeah. hole. Add a black hole and throw them in there and be like, ah, um, yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, I have one more question for you all. What would you give, what advice would you give to people who are writing for the first time? Um, a little context into this. This is a very selfish question because for the first time since we did a playwriting class together, Frankie, I have decided that I'm going to write a musical and I've got like <gasps> one scene and I've got a handful of songs and it's very exciting and nerve wracking and fun. And um, one of my friends was like, you're doing exposure therapy right now and it's awesome. And like, that's exactly what it feels like. It's great. But so for me, because I would love to know <laughs> what advice you have for for getting the thing done, for finishing even just like one draft, you know? Um, and, and for anyone else who may be taking that step for the first time in their lives. Forgive yourself. Just forgive yourself. Um, be okay with failure. Be okay with the fact that the first one's going to be the worst one. Um, be okay with um, the idea that it will take a long time um, and be also okay with the idea that you are not making a text. You are making something that is alive. Hmm. You're making something that is breathing. You're making something that will change with every single development. You are making something that even after five development conferences, even after how many people have gone through it, how many directors have looked at it, how many actors have interpreted it, that it will still change just a little bit more. And that opening night does not mean that it's crystallized. Um, and that all of these things are okay to be afraid over. And you're gonna fail and it's gonna be the most beautiful thing. Um, I always go back to that song because it, there's a lyric in that song that always, go, that, that always gets me. And it's that Dear Theodosia from Hamilton. Um, I'll make a million mistakes. I'll make a million mistakes, but my love for you does not change despite the fact that I'm going to mess up. Um, despite all of that, it will be fine because no matter what, I love this thing. And if you're approaching it with that purity of intent, that purity of love, I promise you, um, there will be someone that loves it as well. Um, because I don't think not to be reductive of the human experience. We don't have that much variance in our experiences. Um, if it makes you cry, someone else will cry. If it makes you laugh, someone else will laugh. Um, and that's what you should go toward, making yourself feel satisfied with what comes out 
and then being satisfied that your child isn't going to be what your child, what you envision for your child, because that's just parenthood. And a playwright is nothing if not a parent um, to these works that are unruly, unwieldy. They demand diaper changes, even when you're clean. Um, <laughs> I, I, I spoke personally there. Um, but uh, yeah, no. And, but be okay. Be okay with failing. And just try to make yourself feel happy with whatever comes out. And even if it doesn't come out the way you want it to, it's so, so okay. Uh, because as long as you've approached it with love, um, it'll be, it'll be fine. If you're just finishing something to finish something, or if you're uh, feeling like it's some kind of an obligation or you grow to hate it at the very end, mm. ain't worth it anymore. The moment that the butterflies go, that's what I, that's what I've always said. The moment that I'm no longer feeling that same fluttery nervousness about a project that I do when I first went into it, that's when I know I have to step away, walk away, leave it. Even if it means I have to return a commission check, <laughs> even if it means I have to, you know, even if it means any of those things, I can't keep going on and it's going to just embitter me. It's going to burn me out. Hmm. So just, just that, make sure that the butterflies are still there when you're, when you're writing it. Um, but that's me. That's, that's the advice that I have for everyone. And also last thing, and I promise Doug, I, I, I will let you have the floor completely. Um, and this is, I think something that everyone should go in into this industry um, thinking about is forget the Tony. Forget the Obi, forget the Pulitzer, forget all of those things. The thing that you should aim for is personal satisfaction with the work. Because there are so many things that are in play in this business, in this industry, that are so far out of your control, so far out of your reach, that you could write some of the most beautiful, devastating stuff, and it will get nowhere. Um, it will be seen by nobody. Um, and that's okay you should level set the expectation for yourself where success does not look like that at the end of the road. If it gets to that at the end of the road, kudos. Great. That's just gravy. That's just, you know, icing on the cake, <laughs> but you should make and approach art with the intent of your soul survival, not with the intent of your personal success uh, or your not personal success, but your physical, financial, material success. Um, your soul has to need this. Um, and regardless of what happens, you come out on the other side of it happy and say, you know what? You did it. I'm proud of you. You didn't do much, but boop, boop. <laughs> good job, play. Let's go. Um, and we'll come back at another time. Um, but that's, that's the biggest thing is just be, be honest with yourself and be okay with it not getting there. Um, because so much of that's not about art. Oh my God, so much of that is not about art. I promise you it's, it's not about the art. It's not about how amazing the writing is. It's about so many other factors that you will have no say over. You can't control what other people think, but you can control how you feel about the piece at the very end of the day. Mm. That's awesome. Doug, any advice to give to me personally Okay, or I'm giving advice. No, no, I, I can give advice to Caroline. Okay, give that I can. Do. Yes, give advice to Caroline, please, please. Yeah, I can't. I don't. I don't. I don't pretend to know anything. Um, so if someone were to say, "Doug, what's advice for me as a writer?" I'm like, "Shut up! I can give you advice as a friend." That's that's what I have. Um, you are a kind person, Caroline. 
you are a generous person and you are hard as nails sometimes as well. So trust those three ingredients, trust the kindness, trust the generosity, and trust the fact that when you need to be, you can pierce through anything. So that's just a fancy way of saying, trust yourself, which is not no advice, I know, it's an annoying bit of advice, but trust yourself. Oh, no, I got something, something that I've been told. I got something. Um, <laughs> I don't think I want to hear it. That was so nice. I'm like, okay. like crying right now. <laughs> Okay, because I was like, because all I got is what I think of you. I have nothing. Then I remembered what Frankie said about stealing. I could just steal other people's fucking advice. Which is, and this is something that I'm, I'm trying to believe myself. Um, writing does not mean, doesn't have to just mean writing. Mm -hmm. When you are walking and imagining, you are writing. Mm -hmm. When you are reading, you are writing. When you are breathing, you are writing. If you are a writer, you are writing. So Caroline, mm. that's my advice to you. Mm. Trust yourself, your generous, your kindness, your nails. And trust the fact that you are already a writer who doesn't need our advice. Absolutely. Wow. Y'all, <laughs> damn it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart. Um... I just love y'all so much. What a what a hidden treat that the first recording was absolute shit so that we could do this again. <laughs> I, I really hope this one works. <laughs> LOL. We got it's, a big it's gonna LOL. Work. It's going to work. It's going to work. It's going to work. Hell yeah. work. I have faith. This one. He's been listening the whole time instead of watching basketball. So it. A sacrifice, yeah. a sacrifice to be sure. Gorgeous. A noble one. A noble, a noble sacrifice. sacrifice, exactly. You're a hero. Let no one tell you differently. Oh, I'm sorry, I took your earbud. Oh, I was dude. trying to caress your face and I took your earbud. It's so disorienting because I hear it like a second after. Yeah, he's so hearing like everything. Yeah. Two versions of time colliding at once. Wow, wow. On that note, Lightning round style. One or two words that may encompass maybe a fraction or a whole of what you would like to see as theater continues to come back. Oh, hold on. OBS studio disconnected. OBS Reconnecting. Studio disconnected. No. Oh, no, it's still going. We're good. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I say, saw the man. thing and I got really... Yo. Concerned, <laughs> you know? Oh, well, it's offline on there. <laughs> Motherfucker. Well, it's still recording. Yeah, it's still recording. So, it's like, weird. fuck the live stream. Let's just keep doing this for posterity. Wait, this, is, this is live stream? Yeah, it's still going. Yes. We can just <laughs> <laughs> I should read emails fully. Yeah. That's what everyone tells me I should do. <laughs> Okay, one or two words. One or two words. As theater continues to come back, what do you want to see? Put a serious limiter on the answer. I know. And we, we have 16 minutes till the heart out. So if you want to go further than one or two words, 
feel free. I, I realized something that I'm looking for. So I will say this. I want to see theaters cultivate that feeling I had opening night with my high school theater friend when we held hands and passed the energy. I want to see theaters cultivate an, an earnest version of that. Mm. Oh my God, me too. That's my answer as well. Um, awesome. Frankie. This is something that I've had to really take into consideration um, now more than ever and fairly recently because of certain things that have not gone my way um, of late. Hmm. I want to see the end of geography and of place in life being the effector of whether or not you get an opportunity. Um, and when I say place in life, I refer specifically to parenthood. I refer specifically to um, economic situation. Um, and that you living somewhere else, particularly in this world that now acknowledges that Zoom is a reality, because things like Zoom have been around for a very long time. This is not new. It was called Skype a while back. Um, you know? Yeah, you guys remember Uvu? Uvu, yeah. Uvu. That's what I used yeah. to talk to my wife in Morocco was Uvu. Like, it was here. But now that we've acknowledged that it is a reality, I don't need to take the high rent of LA or the high rent of New York in order to be able to produce things over there. Um, I don't need to um, take risks with my own financial and economic stability to chase a dream. I don't need to do the starving artist thing in order to try to become an artist. And I am particularly, especially for women, a pregnancy, a child does not mean the end of your career. It does not mean anything at all that is, it does not cheapen your commitment to your art. It does not mean that you won't have your focus pulled from your art because trust me, a parent can multitask and do five things at once. Um, they could cook dinner, take care of a kid and change a diaper at the same time. Um, believe me, these are, these are not things that I think should be a consideration when it comes to the worth and value um, that someone brings to the table. Um, and it's very cult-like to say, well, you can't commit 100% to this program because that kid is there. It's like, oh, so, so what, because I decided to procreate, I can't commit to something else? Well, what, what does this mean? Um, that's abusive. That's, that's, that's horrendous. So I think that the elimination of this hyper-focus on you being 100% only for, for us, only for this, and then the elimination of geography as the great barrier. Like if you are not based in XYZ city, we know which city, <laughs> if you are not based in this town, um, then you have no shot. I think that needs to go. And I think that with the rise of Zoom, that is something that's not only possible, but viable and doable and going back to quote unquote normal is going to eliminate voices that are sorely needed in the, Ameri in the American stage. Because I'm, I'm sorry, but I am tired of seeing writers who've never had children write about children um, in, in, a, in a stage thing. Like, it's just like, oh, you are, what is it, 27, 28 years old. 
you have never dealt with a child all night long. Um, you, you cannot condescend to me about how um, toxic parents are, you know? Mm. And it's one of those things where your perspective starts shifting. Mm. Uh, once you become a parent, it's just like, gosh, darn it, I'm becoming my mother. And it's an old trope, but there's a, there's a reason that that trope exists. Um, and so that, that's what I would like to see happen more of. And then the other thing is, of course, price. Them ticket prices need to go the hell down. It needs to go the hell down. Oh, my God, um, yes. No, you, y'all, y'all, y'all had enough time to save up your war chest and everything. <laughs> um, let's, let, let's, let's see some, some subsidization there. But that, that would be me um, because I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. I, 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 I've just seen it, and I've also seen some of my dear friends who have now become parents themselves. I can't do that. I can't do that residency or I can't go into that program because I think that they are really discouraging of that. And, and that's bullshit. Yeah. Um, you can still do those things. You, you can. Um, and that necessarily also follows into the question of ageism in the theater. Um, what yeah. kind of commitments you're, you're willing to make, because I'm sorry that what a, what a 20, what a 22 year old is willing to take versus a 45 year old two completely different things. And if Mm. you have your model based on an internship, work for free, do everything for his model versus someone that's just like, hell no, I'm not going to do that because I have experience and I know when I'm being taken advantage of. Um, We need to start having our models in how we approach and interact with artists reflect a kind of equitable and open space that does not aim at trying to take as much as possible from the person who wants to work in the art and plays on the desperation of someone that just wants their shot. Um, the God, I hope I make it uh, mentality. Um, it's just like, yo, I just want to be in the space, man. Let, let me just be in the space. Yeah. And I'm happy. But I'm sorry, I rambled on that one too. <laughs> we, we love a ramble. That, that's like one of the many motifs of this episode is rambling. And I'm quite frankly here for it. I something that when what you were just saying, Frankie, uh, especially about the Zoom things and and how like these all have been here. It 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 reminded me of something I saw earlier today about how these are things that the disabled community has been asking for mm-hmm. for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And before we just we could not be bothered. It was mm-hmm. too inconvenient. And now a lot of able-bodied people have needed this because the whole world has needed this. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, I absolutely, I think, you mm-hmm. know, in the future, I really, and also what a gift, what a gift to be able to um, work with and collaborate with and be connected with people who were not in the same room. We can connect mm-hmm. with people all over the world. And we've had this ability for such a long time. And it, what a gift to be able to integrate that more into the work that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Hell yeah. It's 1051. Let's, let's go the fuck to sleep. I had, I had a thought. Before. Tell me. Ooh. Tell me your yes. thought. Yes, no, thoughts. No, this, this, this is a logistical thought. I love it. We didn't do any kind of introduction. Oh, do we need fuck. to do an introduction? I mean, like I don't, I don't, I, I just, I just realized that podcasts always do that, and I was like, well, maybe Caroline has it from our last one. I don't really care if we do an introduction, right, 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 I was right. Just like I didn't want this to end, and you were like, fuck, we never got. Well, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that I will write the introduction, cool. and I also yeah. love like the improvisational nature of the way we started the episode. 
<laughs> if you will. Yeah. So, um, but I will listen to it. And, and then if I need to add something, I will, but y'all don't worry. I don't don't like worry like, your pretty little heads about cool. that. Cause I, I, I hate introductions truly, no. but I knew that I was like, if I don't, if Caroline needs this, I'm gonna I do not want to do, do a third interview. No, no. <laughs> I go to bed at nine. Excuse me, every night. Doug. I know you're in grad school at Yale, but would you please stay up late for a third time in a few months to have this? No. Oh my God. No, you need to go to sleep. Get the fuck off this Zoom call. What are you doing, Doug? You have the option of sleep. Now, now it's like okay. We're getting into the goofy part of the night. Um. Uh, it was right. goofy to start with. You see this jellyfish hat? That that hat. That's is a dope. good hat. That hat is real dope. You've you've really cultivated a very specific sense of style, Frankie, and I'm oh. really really excited about it. In, another cool thing about this pandemic is I don't care anymore. <laughs> just, I will Same. wear. I will wear my flashy Nikes. I will wear these hats. Because there are more, man. There are more. Some one with an absurd I've seen rooster. the Instagram pictures. Yeah. <laughs> um, this goes on. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, I just ordered my first pair of romper alls, and I'm really excited yes. about this. I don't think I'm ever yes. going to wear jeans ever again for the rest of Who my needs life. Them? Who needs them? Not me. Jeans are necessary. Not jeans me. All right. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop this stream now. Goodbye, people in podcast land. Bye. Goodbye forever. Adios. Cheers. Good night. Black lives don't matter, by the way. Oh my gosh. It's the Carrot Dub After School Theater Camp Power Hour.